years ago, late one afternoon at the church office, a young man came by and knocked on the door. He had a question. The question he'd asked already to seven other men, he called them pastors. Here was his question. How does a person get saved at your church? I said, I'll be glad to answer that question. Let's go to my office. I walked in the office. I walked by a stack of Bibles that I keep for group Bible study. I grabbed two. I handed him one. I kept one. Gave him a Bible dictionary. I said, young man, we're going to go through a lot of Bible verses. I'm going to give you book, chapter, and verse. And since we're using the same Bible, I'll give you the page number. I want you to summarize what you read, but I will not influence you. I will just give you book, chapter, and verse. At the end, I said, now I haven't influenced you in any way. Please summarize everything we've covered Please summarize what you have just read. At that point, I hit the record app on my phone because I wanted to record what he would say. Here is his exact quote back to me. Well, based on what I've just read, the way to get saved is to believe in Jesus to the point that you would confess Jesus and you must also repent and be baptized and that's not what the other, he called them pastors, told me. If you did a survey here in Hot Springs, you would find a lot of different answers to the question on how to be saved. The seven, as you know them, have a lot of different views of this same question. We're in the middle of a series that I started back in February, Blueprint of the Church, Does It Really Matter?, this morning, tonight, and in April, April the 2nd, we're looking at the question, how are we saved? This sermon series was inspired by a lesson I did back on January the 8th, which was based on a Bible study I was having with one young man in Fort Worth, Texas. Six other people have now joined that study. I call them the seven. And to the seven, I say thank you for allowing me to share our study with all of you. Now, tonight I'm asking you to do exactly what I asked that young man to do. We're going to read a lot of passages, and I want you to summarize the meaning. <sighs> Was that two minutes? Okay. Now, go back to normal speed, okay? Now, let's begin by looking at the first verse tonight. Galatians chapter 3, verse number 26. For you are all sons of God. How? Through faith. Circle that word faith. In Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ. Now, when did you hear that phrase before? Baptized into Christ. That was the... That was found in the last verse that we looked at this morning, Romans 6, 3 and 4. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have done what? Have put on Christ. Before coming here this evening, I grabbed this jacket and I put it on. When we are baptized... We put on Jesus. How? Through baptism. 
How? Through the faith we have in His promises that He will be part of our lives. Next, Colossians chapter 2, verse 11, 12, and 13. These are some of the same verses I covered with that young man so many years ago. Verse 11, In him you also were circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Now, stop right there. Okay, Paul, what are you saying? In the same way that a physician removes the physical flesh in that procedure called circumcision, God removes the spiritual flesh. We're talking about sin. Now, how does he do that? Let's continue. Buried with him in baptism. How is that accomplished? It's in baptism, in which you also are raised with him through how? Faith. We believe in his promises. We believe that God will wash away our sins when we're baptized through faith in the working of God who raised him, Jesus, from the dead. How would you summarize that passage? 1 Peter chapter 3, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 21. There is also an antitype, a comparison, which now saves us. Okay, what are you going to talk about, Peter? Baptism. Now, not the removal of the filth of the flesh, not removing of the dirt on the skin, but the answer of a good conscience toward God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Baptism. How would you summarize that passage if you had to summarize it? Now, stop right here. Of our seven, John Doe, number one. Now, as I told you, I had promised to keep their names confidential. I appreciate their willingness to share this study. John Doe, number one, says, but hey, Michael, Michael, the Bible teaches that we are saved by faith only. Thus, baptism is not required. I blew him out of the water when he said that, because here's what I said to him. I believe that the Bible teaches that we're saved by faith. Notice, I didn't say faith only. Did you notice? I didn't say faith only. I believe the Bible teaches we're saved by faith. But let's notice what kind of faith. What kind of faith are we talking about? Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, verse number 1. Therefore, Anytime you see the word, therefore, we are referencing what was previously said. Therefore, having been justified. You know, that's a word we don't use often in our everyday language, justified. What does justified mean? Well, let me give you a simple definition. 
It's just as if I had never sinned. We're saved from our sins. We're saved from our sins through baptism. All those sins that we had committed when we become a Christian becomes wiped out. It's just like God had a, a chalkboard with every sin we've ever done and when you became a Christian, God just wiped that chalkboard clean. Therefore, having been justified by what? Faith. Well, that sounds like John Doe was right. But hold it here, not yet. We haven't got there yet. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, people, including John Doe, has a wrong definition of faith. They have a wrong definition of faith. To them, faith is just believing in something, and that's it. It's just believing in something, and that is it. Keep that in mind. I'm going to come back to that in just a moment. But first, let's read John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Okay, I'm digging myself a hole. Tyler, I'm digging myself a hole because I'm proving John Doe's case. Not really. Hang on, we're not there yet. In the New Testament, faith is more than just an intellectual conviction that something is true. In the New Testament, faith is more than just that. Regarding New Testament salvation, the word faith conveys a response that combines conviction, intellectual conviction, heart conviction, and action. Here comes this. I have a very weird medical condition. I have normal blood pressure. But I have blood spikes where it will go way high, say 200 over 100. Now, if you know blood pressure, you don't want to hit 200 over 100 because that could result in a stroke. I went to four doctors. I actually had a spike in the office of two of the four doctors. They could not figure it out. Anyway, they have no reason to give me for what I'm having as these spikes. So here was their solution. They said, okay, you, you're normal and you're having these spikes. What we'll do is we're going to lower you. We're going to lower you down. So when you have the spikes, it won't be so high. So now with this pill... I have a blood pressure of about 90 over 40, which is low. Okay, that's low. But now when I have my spikes, it goes to like 150 over 75. Now, I believe in my doctor's plan to take care of this problem. And I believe 
in these pills. But guess what? I can believe in it. I can have conviction. But if I don't take a pill, if I don't have action, nothing's going to happen. You see, faith, real faith requires action. It requires obedience. It requires us to do something when we believe in God's promises, in God's commands. We do something. Now, why do I say that? Well, let me tear down John Doe's castle here, okay? Let's tear down his thought process. First, let's go to James. James chapter 2. James chapter 2. Let's begin in verse 17. Thus also, James has been talking about faith. Thus also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, if it doesn't have action, if you don't show your faith, if you don't do your faith, is dead. But someone will say, well, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I'll show you my faith by my works. You believe there's one God? Ha, ha, you do well. Even the demons believe and they tremble. What's James saying? If you've got real faith, you're going to act out that faith. If you have real faith, you're going to be obedient to God. If you have real faith, you're going to live the Christian life. Not just on the day you are baptized, but each and every day. As we say on the videos, let's live for Jesus 24-7. Let's continue. Romans chapter 1, verse 5. Through Him, as through Jesus, we have received grace, and apostleship for, why? For obedience to the faith. Obedience to the faith. Faith is more than just intellectual conviction. Obedience to the faith among all nations for His name. Romans 16, 26 but now made manifest and by the prophetic scriptures made known to all nations according to the commandment of the everlasting God for obedience to the faith. Real Christians believe in God. They believe in Jesus. They believe in the Holy Spirit and they act upon that belief. Obedience to the faith. Where there is no obedience, there is no genuine faith. If you don't have obedience, you really don't have genuine faith. Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 18. And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest? This is the children of Israel who were not obedient, who did not get to enter the promised land. And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest? But to those who did not obey. 
It was those who did not obey God. Verse 19. So we see they could not enter in because of unbelief. Which one was it? Was it because they did not obey? Or was it because of unbelief? Answer, both. It's the same. It's the very same. Where there is no obedience, there is no genuine faith. Hebrews 11. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 30. By faith. Oh, notice this one. Billy, notice it. I'm going to ask you a question here. By faith. The walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. Did Jericho's walls, did those walls fall by faith? Yes or no? Okay, yes. Did Jericho's walls fall by Israel being obedient to God's commands? Yes or no? Yes. It's actually both. You see, faith and obedience go hand in hand. If we have faith, if we have faith, we will obey His Word. You know, the same thing applies to our faith. The Bible, the Bible can say that we are saved through faith. Romans 5.1 and the Bible can say that we're saved when we repent and are baptized, Acts 2, 38. Because genuine faith includes obedience. If, if I believe in my doctor's plan, I'm going to follow his plan by taking a pill every day. Genuine faith includes obedience, obedience to God's Word. Now, go back to Galatians again. Galatians chapter 3, okay? I want to point out something to you. Verse 26, For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Baptism is not separate from faith. Baptism is not a separate thing from faith. It goes hand in hand. If you believe, you will be baptized. It's a part of genuine faith. As we talked about this morning, when are we saved? Is it at the point of faith? No. Is it at the point of repentance? No. Remember, we talked about Paul three days in repenting and still had a sin problem because Ananias said, Acts twenty two sixteen, arise and do what? Wash away your sins. How, Ananias? By being baptized. Now, in my next lesson, which will happen April the 2nd, we're going to look at part three. We're going to look at how baptism is administered. And we're going to talk about that infant baptism thing. And we're going to talk about how about all the good people of the world who have never been baptized. 
what happens with them. And remember Mary, Mary Doe? She said, my mother never was baptized. And she said, I believe that she's in heaven even today. Now, let's look at some of these comments that some of the seven said to me. John Doe, number one. The Church of Christ preaches, preachers only believe in water salvation. No. There is nothing special about the water which is behind me in this tank. In fact, I'll be honest with you. That water is just a... Clayton, you do a good job, but it's going to be just a little dirty, right? Just a little dirty. I mean, there's dust in the air, dirt settles, a few bugs maybe... There's nothing special about that water right there. It's not the water. It's the obedience. That man from Ethiopia, that official treasurer from Ethiopia, he was not willing to wait until he got back home to probably much cleaner water. He was baptized by by the side of the road. What does uh, water by the side of the road usually look like? Kind of dirty, right? Kind of yucky, right? He wanted to be baptized right then and there. You, you see, it's not the water. It's God. Who does the work in baptism? Not the preacher, not the person being baptized. It's God who washes away our sins. I have in Romania baptized people in water that was so rusty when we came up out of the water we were just almost orange. But that's okay. It doesn't matter if that water is a little rusty or a little dirty, or maybe it has a bug or two in it. Because it's not the water. It's the obedience. It's God's promise. Mary, Mary Doe, number one. I believe, she said, and I felt, and she pounded her chest, I felt Jesus come into my heart, and I knew I was saved. You know, feelings can mislead us easily. Um, at least I don't know if you remember this, but we were at, a, a, many years ago, a young couple's party. So you know it was many years ago. And we had some uh, things that we did. And it threw us off because what they did is they, they would blindfold you. Okay, you're blindfolded, totally blindfolded. And then you reach out your hands and you put your hands on someone's shoulders. And you feel like you're being levitated up. You actually feel like you're going up because you know what happens? The person in front of you squats down. And you feel like because you have that feeling that you are being what? Levitated up. You see, feelings can throw us off. Feelings are not a good guidepost because feelings can change. 
and feelings can definitely be wrong. What's a good God post? God's Word. God's Word. Next. What about John 3.16? What about John 3? You know, John 3.16 is probably the most well-known verse in the Bible. You know, people, you see at football games, people holding up signs, John 3.16. I believe in John 3.16. But I also believe that if a person really believes in Jesus, He's going to do exactly what Jesus has commanded. What did Jesus say in John 14, 15? If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. In a moment, you're going to see the plan of salvation from the mouth of Jesus himself. I could use many different verses. But now for 40-something years, I have used these very same verses for every sermon. Because Jesus is saying it. And if you want to argue with me, you can argue with me. But you better not argue with Jesus. Because he's always correct. So yeah, I believe in faith. Yes, I believe in faith. But if you've got faith, you're going to do something about it. Now... I'm saving the last two comments. Remember, we had five. I'm going to save the last two comments from our seven for April the 2nd because they kind of fit that lesson a little better. So part three is coming. Meanwhile, I told you it was coming, the words of Jesus. Jesus said to believe. That's not me talking that's Jesus, John 8, 24. Jesus said to repent. That's not me talking. That's Luke 13, 3, Jesus. Jesus said to confess, Matthew 10, 32. That's not Billy talking. That's Jesus talking to you. Jesus told us to be baptized, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. If, as a Christian, sin has come into your life, we'd like to... Uh, to remind you that you can seek forgiveness and He will forgive. 1 John 1 verse 9, the church stands ready to pray for you and with you. If you have any need at all to respond, please do so as we sing for your encouragement. Zion's call sweetly ring the bell.